Welcome to the Vineyard Church of Greater Portland podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Mario Mastin. For more podcasts and other resources, please visit www.vineyardportland.org. So uh, this morning, uh, I want to begin by giving you a view of the Christian's story, one particular view of what it means to be a Christian and what happens when you become a Christian. And it goes like this. So you decide to say yes to Jesus. And in doing that, you put your faith and trust in him and you turn your back on the world. And suddenly, everything is cool. Every question is answered. Every desire is fulfilled. Every problem is solved. And all trouble disappears in a haze of glory. Peace takes hold. Nothing can affect your relationship that you now have with Jesus. You're cocooned in God's grace. Nothing can touch you. You no longer have conflict with others. You're never misunderstood. You no longer get ill. And nothing bad ever happens to you. And if the sharp end of life should intrude and something happens that interrupts your peace, perhaps the loss of a job, an accident, an illness, the end of a cherished friendship, or something that causes you either to doubt, be angry, or live in fear, then you figure, "Ah, man, there must be a problem with my connection to God such that he's tired of hanging out with me, and now he's left me to my own devices, and he's gone off to hang out with somebody else he'd rather be around. The truth is, that perspective on the Christian life is thoroughly untrue. You know that to be the case. The journey with Jesus doesn't work like that. And it is a journey, and trusting in him, putting your faith in him, as we've said before, is just the first step in that journey. There's a lot of steps that come after that. Christians soon discover, and if you're a Christian here this morning, you soon discovered that trouble is actually part of the journey. And while we're on the road to the new Jerusalem, we ain't there yet. This is what Jesus said. Your Father in heaven causes his Son, S-U-N, to rise on the evil and on the good. He sends his reign on the righteous and on the unrighteous. And in John 16, 33, he said, In this world, speaking to his disciples, you will have trouble. But with that discovery comes an even greater discovery for those that are in Christ. And it's this, that we need help in the journey. We need help. Now the text we're going to look at today is a pilgrim psalm. And it's all about the journey with God. And it goes after the help that we need in the journey 
where to find it, who provides it, and what it looks like when we receive it. I'll just say parenthetically, I love it when somebody shares something that just confirms the word I'm about to preach. Because it reinforces it, but not only that, it confirms that I'm hearing from God. So, Shanna, thank you this morning for that word, because that word was like, you know, probably 50% of the message I'm going to share this morning. Here's the text for today. It's taken from Psalms, and specifically it's Psalm 121. And this is what it says. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going now and forevermore. Now, the psalmist is saying here with these words that we can have confidence in the Lord because the Lord is the source of the help we need for the journey that we're on in life together with him. He is, the psalmist says, the maker of heaven and earth. And as such, this is what I want you to see this morning. He, God, is your guardian. God is your guardian. The one who watches over you now and forever. So let's dig deep into this this morning and see what that really means. That God is your guardian. That he watches over your life. Well, the first thing that I think the psalmist wants us to get hold of, I just alluded to a moment ago, is this. That we can have confidence that you can have confidence in the Lord. Why? Why does he say that or imply that? And why can I say that this morning? That you can have confidence in the Lord. Well, because when the journey gets rugged, and at times it will, and when the world turns dark, and at times it will, you need to recognize and remind yourself and others that the Lord is the source of the help that you need to confront the headwinds of life. And therefore, he's the source of your confidence. Look, the first thing to note in this psalm is, he is your helper, right? I look to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. The Lord is your helper, but he's not just your helper. He is the maker of heaven and earth. That's a confident response. To that question, I lift up my eyes to the hills and where does my help come from? There are times in our lives where we look up and it's like, where is my help going to come from in the situation and circumstance I'm in right now? And the psalmist says and resonates with that cry and he says, where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord. 
who's the maker of heaven and earth. I want to think about the hills for a moment, which could also be rendered or translated mountains, either way. Naturally speaking, hills or mountains are places of majesty and strength. They're places of firmness and solidity. Twice in my life, I've been in the, in the context, and I'm sure different ones of you have done this in different places at different times, but for me, twice in my life, <coughs> excuse me, I've stood before mountains that have just left me uh, awestruck. One, when I was 15 and I was on a vacation with some friends in Switzerland, and I stood before the Eiger Mountain and just was, I'd never seen anything like it in my life. I was completely blown away by the, the size of it, the scope of it, the majesty of it. It just, it literally kind of took my breath away. I was like, I've never seen anything like this. And then many, many years later, like only, only about five or six years later, <coughs> I went with my brothers, I've mentioned this before, and we kind of <coughs> trekked through part of the southern Himalayas and uh, saw the Annapurna mountain range. And that just, it wasn't just one mountain, it was a series of mountains. And they seemed to go on forever, upward and outward, and they were incredibly awesome. The psalmist here says, I looked at the hills. Where does my help come from? At the time that that psalm was written to the Hebrews, to the Jews, the hills were synonymous not just with majesty and with solidity and with awe. They were also synonymous with pagan, idolatrous worship. Part of the idolatry of the time and the worship of the time took place in the hills, up in the mountains. There were all kinds of shrines erected there. You can read about this throughout the New Testament. Groves of trees were planted. And quote-unquote sacred prostitutes were provided and people were lured into the hills so that they could perform obscene acts of so-called worship to ensure that the land was fertile and to provide protection from evil. And the worship of Baal was prevalent in the hills. Jeremiah summed this up. He said, Jeremiah 3.23 Surely the idolatrous commotion on the hills and mountains is a deception. The hills and the mountains were synonymous with that kind of idolatrous commotion. And Jeremiah nailed it. He said, "What the stuff that's going on up in the hills and the mountains is a deception. So when the psalmist said, where does, I looked at the hills, where does my help come from? He responded by saying, it ain't from there, it comes from the Lord. When you, as a child of God, walking by faith, face trials or trouble, and metaphorically speaking, you look to the hills, places of natural stability, natural strength, or alternative sources of spiritual strength apart from God, you will be disappointed every time. Because in that sense, those sources are a deception. 
However majestic the mountains are, at the end of the day, they're just mountains. However beautiful the hills are, at the end of the day, they're just hills. No, your help and my help doesn't come from the mountains and the hills. It comes from the Lord. He alone is the source. You know, the Hebrew word here, rendered help, ezer, it means help or assistance, but that really doesn't give, uh, do justice, rather, to what's being said here in the psalm. In its context. Because as you read this in the Hebrew, three times the personal Hebrew name for God, Yahweh, is used. And eight times, there's a verb, shamar, which is translated or understood to be defined as the Lord my guardian or the Lord who guards. That's not immediately apparent to us in the English because it's transferred from the Hebrew. But those are the words that are used here to describe the one who is our helper. The truth is, from the moment you put your trust in God... He became your personal guardian. Now that doesn't mean that you won't confront trouble. That doesn't mean that you won't face trials. But what it does mean is that he will guard you in the context of that trouble, in the context of those trials. So that nothing can come between him and you. That is the promise of the Lord to you as your guardian. How does that happen? What does that guardian work that God does look like in our lives? Well, according to the psalmist, it means some specific things. First, it means he watches over you. That phrase is used a number of times in this psalm. He watches over you. You are under the watchful care of Yahweh. The psalmist is clear. This is where the verb shamar first appears in the poem, because this psalm is, is Hebrew poetry. It means, literally, to protect, to guard, and to watch. To protect, to guard, and to watch. The thing you need to see, though, about the way that God watches over you is that it's not passive observation. I mean, I can watch something in a passive way and be disengaged from it. You know, sometimes I'll do that, I'll go home, I'm feeling toast, feeling like toast, not feeling toast, feeling like toast. I'll crash, put on the, you know, the TV, and I'm like a passive observer of what's going on, which is not a good place to be in, but that happens. That's not what's being pictured here. The Lord is not a passive observer, he's an active protector as your guard. The Lord is not an impersonal, remote uh, Lord who watches over you kind of from a distance and is disengaged in your life. He is right there with you every step of the journey. Whatever is happening in your life, God is there with you. Remember, you're on a journey and he's accompanying you. Remember the Lord's promise? Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. 
Why? Because the Lord cares. This is the issue. The Lord cares. And that care drives the way that he watches over your life. He really cares about you this morning. You're not just one of a number. God loves you personally. He cares about your life. About everything related to you. About everything that is happening to you and with you. This care is rooted in a fervent, unfailing love for you. Nothing about your journey. Hear me this this morning because this is the truth. Nothing about your journey is insignificant or unimportant to your Lord. Because you are of such inestimable value to him. We were reminded this morning by Chad before we shared communion. That we are of such value to God that he gave his only son, right? Which we commemorate in communion. You are of inestimable value to God. Hence, he cares about you. Jesus said this. Indeed, every, he said this. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Now, some of us have more hairs on our head than others. But every hair on your head has been numbered. What is Jesus saying there? He's saying there's nothing too small, nothing too insignificant. Everything about you is of value to me. This truth is made clear in the song with the promise that the Lord will never let your foot slip. He's basically saying, I won't even let a stone move. And cause your foot to slip. Talk about close care. Talk about loving supervision over our walk with God. And here's another amazing thing about the way that God cares for you. And hear this personally this morning. Here's another incredible thing about the way that God cares for you. Right where you are right now and all the time. His care never wavers and he never checks out. You are covered by Yahweh's caring, watchful gaze 24-7. The psalmist says, He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over, over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Now, obviously, in the first instance here, he's talking about Yahweh's loving, watchful care over his people Israel. But we know from the New Testament that we are the spiritual Israel of God, right? We are God's new covenant, New Testament people. And the scripture makes clear that what was true in shadow form in the Old Testament is more substantially true in the New Testament. So if it was true for them, it's true for us. In the first instance, this speaks to God's care over Israel. And in connection with that, I want you to see this. The gods, with a small g, of the Near East were often depicted as being asleep or sleeping. Uh, an example of this is found in the Old Testament. It's a great one, actually. It's worth reading sometime. If you don't know the story of Elijah and his confrontation with the prophets of Baal, check it out. It's in 1 Kings 18. It's an amazing story. 
I don't have time to recount it all, but basically there's this showdown between the prophet of God, Elijah, and the prophets of these idolatrous gods and the prophets of Baal. And things come to a head, and basically there's kind of a contest to call fire down from heaven. And uh, Elijah says, you guys go first. Go for it. And they're, they're whipped up into a phrase, frenzy from, from morning till noon, calling on Baal to bring fire down from heaven, and nothing happens. Spoiler alert. If you want to read the rest of this, I won't spoiler alert this. If you want to read the rest of the story, read it. You'll find out what happens. But this is what Elijah says to them. Dripping with sarcasm and mockery, he says, maybe he is sleeping and must be awakened. <laughs> They've spent hours doing this, and then after he says that, they go into hours more, and they start cutting their body and writhing around on the floor, and nothing happens. Well, I will tell you the end of the story. And then Elijah calls on God, and fire comes down from heaven and consumes everything. That's the God that cares for you. That's the God that watches over your life. Yahweh, the God of Israel, he doesn't slumber or sleep. He never needs to be woken up. His watchful care is constant. And that's true about the way that he cares for you. The words here in the original really drive this home. And I want to just go there for a moment, so stay with me. The words slumber and sleep, we may think that those are synonymous. They're really not, particularly in the Hebrew. The word slumber in Hebrew is num, and that word refers to drowsiness or light sleep. It's the kind of thing I enter into late in the afternoon. Did it the other day, actually. I was over at the church waiting for the food pantry to start up in the evening because I was helping out. And sat at my desk, the next thing I knew, I was like, head down. <laughs> yeah, I went numb. <laughs> numb. <laughs> and uh, so the word, the word for uh, slumber is that, numb. Refers to drowsiness or light sleep. The other word is yashan, and it's the idea of going into a deep sleep, like the old REM sleep stuff, right? Deep down. And he says, our God, he doesn't numb and he doesn't yashan. He doesn't nod off and he doesn't go into a deep sleep. He's always awake. He's always on. And he's saying that in relationship to the way that he cares for us. The God of Israel never nods off. He doesn't doze. He never falls into a deep sleep. This is your guardian God, the one that guards over your life. He's always attentive to you and everything that's happening in your life. Even if you and I don't perceive that, that is the truth. He keeps continual watch over you. So as the psalmist says, not even your foot slips in the journey. Think about that this morning. Just let that go down deep into your heart, into your consciousness. The maker of heaven and earth cares for you in that way. Never dozes, never takes a nap, is always on. 
And I want to say this. He's there at the beginning of the journey when we put our faith in Jesus. He's there every moment of the journey thereafter. And he's going to be there at the destination when the journey's over. So you and I can be confident in the watchful care of Yahweh over our lives. The second thing that the psalmist says is not just that he watches over us, but he is your shade. He uses two other metaphors here, which he joins together to say something about Yahweh. And those two metaphors are standing at the right hand and the idea of shade. This is a beautiful picture of God, not only as your guardian, but as your friend. Let me explain. When this psalm was written and throughout ancient times... When a soldier carried a shield, because in those days they didn't have guns, they had shields and swords, right? The shield was to protect, the, the, the sword was to, you know, go after the enemy with, right? Back in antiquity, when soldiers carried shields, they carried them on their left arm, always on their left arm. That then meant... If I'm standing here with a shield on my left arm, it means my right, the right side of my body is exposed and vulnerable to attack. The left is covered by the shield, but the right is completely exposed and vulnerable. So it was always the case that a soldier wanted a friend or at least an ally standing at his right hand to provide per protection where his body was vulnerable and exposed. And the psalmist says of the Lord that he is effectively our friend, our ally, standing at our right hand, fending off all and any potential threats that may come to us in areas where we are vulnerable and exposed. David was the warrior king. He wasn't just the sweet psalmist of Israel. David was a warrior king. Any of you that know anything about David know, yes, he was a sweet psalmist of Israel, as Scripture says. He wrote a lot of beautiful poems. Many of them are in the Psalms. But he was also a warrior king. David knew exactly what it meant to be a soldier. And David says the same thing as is being said in this psalm. In Psalm 16, 8, he said this, I have, always set, I have set the Lord always before me, and here it is. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. David was saying, even in the places where I'm exposed and vulnerable, the Lord is there at my right hand and I will not be shaken. But this is not all the Lord does. Adding to the picture of the Lord at our right hand, the verse continues with the image of him as a protective shade. The idea of being shaded by God in Scripture is not unique to the Psalms or to this Psalm. There are other places where individuals are invited to shadow 
in the wings of Yahweh. Psalm 91 is one of my favorites in this regard. And this is what it says in part. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. You can shadow in that place of refuge. Because the Lord covers. He doesn't just care. The Lord covers. He's intentional about providing that place for you. So that you will not be exposed. You will not be vulnerable to the threats of the searing sun by day, the psalmist says. Or by the dangers of the moon by night. And you may say, why does he talk about the sun and the moon? And maybe I get the sun because you can get sunstroke, but moon, dangers of the moon by night, what's that all about? Well, a lot of biblical scholars I've discovered think that the references here may be to the Mesopotamian sun god and to the Babylonian moon god representative as enemies of Israel. But the bigger point, and that's more relevant to us, is this. That God is at your right hand and that God is your shade and he's there all the time Whatever the threats are that come against you. The truth is, trouble cannot mess with you unless you let it in. Because God doesn't take away our free will. He provides protection. And he will ensure that that trouble cannot get in. But we have the option of deciding whether or not we're going to let it in. And what I mean by that is if we open our heart and allow something to come in that's not from God that begins to distort our heart and, our, uh, and shapes our attitudes and our actions and distorts the way we think. That's why God makes the promise to guard us from all evil. I mean, didn't Jesus, when he taught us how to pray, what we sometimes refer to as the Lord's Prayer, tell us to pray about that very issue, to be delivered from evil. And God's commitment to us is to guard us in that respect. I want to say this to you this morning, the Lord is never going to leave you exposed and vulnerable. He will always cover you whatever threats come. So you can take comfort from that as well as confidence in it. God is at your right hand. Keep that image in front of you. He's given you the shield of faith. You've got that on your arm. It's, it's there to prevent the fiery darts of the wicked one from getting in. But you and I know, at least I know this in my own life, that I have vulnerabilities and weaknesses and areas in which I am exposed and God says, Mario, I'm right there. I'm at your right hand. And he says that. You put your name in there. He says that to each one of us in this room. I'm there at your right hand to protect you from all evil. And the last thing I want you to see is this. The psalmist says, he will protect you. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. Now, this may be the most challenging part of this psalm to read. And Shanna referred to that this morning when she shared. That there are times when we feel like God has let us down. There are times when we feel like God has allowed harm to come and impact us. 
So I want to I drill down on this one. I want to look at this more closely, not just skate over it. This is an overt promise of protection from God to you. Notice this. He does not say he will keep you from all trouble. He says he will keep you from all harm. And that's not just a little semantic trick. There's a big difference between saying, I will keep you from all trouble and I will keep you from all harm. We've already established John 16, Jesus said to his disciples, in this world you will have trouble. But here God, Yahweh, is promising, I will keep you from all harm. Trouble will come in the journey. There will be obstacles on the road. At times, things will get rugged. There will be threats along the way. Sometimes, moving forward will be very difficult. But whatever the road looks like, whatever it feels like, you and I can be confident knowing the Lord promises to keep us from all harm and that he will watch over your life. Now, you may be thinking this, and if you're not thinking this, I've thought this. What about when bad things happen to good people? What about when bad things happen to godly people? Now, hopefully, good people and godly people are one and the same. So what happens when bad things happen to good, godly people? Where's God then? Where's the protection from all harm? What about when that person is you? I want to submit to you this morning that the answer to that question lies in the love of God for you and his loving relationship with you. The Lord is committed to protect that relationship that he has with you through thick and thin. And in life, there will be thick and there will be thin. He is committed to you because his love for you knows no bounds. Knows no limits. Is the greatest power in the entire universe and beyond. And because he's made a commitment to keep you. The Lord cares. The Lord covers. The Lord keeps. What God commits to, he keeps. Those he loves, he keeps. Again, it's David who said this in Psalm 138, verse 8. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your love, O Lord, endures forever. Do you see the connection between the fulfillment of purpose being kept by God and his love that endures forever? It's the love of God that fuels the commitment to keep us and fulfill his purpose in us. It's God's love for you and his loving commitment to you that ensures he's going to keep you and he's going to fulfill his purpose in your life just like he did in the life of David. It's that same protective love that's even more clearly revealed in the New Testament where Paul says this, in all things God works for the good of those who love him. You see, the love of God and loving relationship is at the core of this. 
that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. Paul doesn't say all things are good. They aren't. A lot of things suck. (laughs) Not all things are good. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, hey, if you're the called according to God and he loves you, nothing bad will ever happen to you. You'll sail through life untouched by anything. No, he doesn't say that. What he does say is that God works for the good of those who love him in all things. What he says is that God does something that we can't do. Sometimes it's totally mysterious to me how God is able to take a situation that on the face of it looks horrendous and yet works for the good of those that he loves that are subjected to that situation. I was just reading this week about the intense persecution that's going on right now against Christians in China. I mean, it's always there, but they've really ramped it up. There was a report published this week by the British uh, Foreign Office, which is like the British version of the State Department. They did this like two-year investigation. They've said that Christians are the... This, this, is, this is secular government now, Right? They released a report this week saying of all the religious groups, that's the way they describe us in the world, Christians are the most persecuted right now and have been for a number of years. Now, God is sovereign. God promises to protect us, right? And we have to, we can't bury our head in the sand about that, but what we have to say is, Lord, you love us and you are working all things together for good, even if my tiny mind can't perceive how you're doing that. He is God. You are not. I am not. But his commitment is to one of love. I mean, look what the father allowed his son to be subjected to for the good purposes of our redemption. So I just say this to you this morning, when stuff happens, and it does, sometimes terrible stuff, sometimes heartbreaking stuff, sometimes tough stuff, sometimes disappointing and discouraging stuff, God somehow, in his love, in his grace, in his mercy, in his wisdom, he will do what only he can do, and he will work it together for your good. Because he loves you and you love him. And you are called according to his purpose. C.S. Lewis wrote this. Life with God is not immunity from difficulties. But peace from difficulties. Eugene Peterson wrote a piece. In his book, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. That I want to read to you. You'll see it on the screen. It's rather lengthy. But stick with it, because this is so, so powerful, I think. He says, the Christian life is not a quiet escape to a garden where we can walk and talk uninterruptedly with our Lord. Not a fantasy trip to a heavenly city where we compare our blue ribbons and gold medals with those of others who have made it to the winner's circle. The Christian life is going to God. In going to God, Christians travel the same ground that everybody else walks on. Breathe the same air, drink the same water, shop in the same stores, 
read the same newspapers. Not many people read newspapers anymore, but this is a little dated. It was written a while ago. Are citizens under the same governments pay the same prices for groceries and gasoline, fear the same dangers, are subject to the same pressures, get the same distresses, are buried in the same ground. The difference is that each step we walk, each breath we breathe, we know we are preserved by God. We know we are accompanied by God. We know we are ruled by God. And therefore, no matter what doubts endure or what accidents we experience, the Lord will guard us from every evil. He guards our very life. This is the promise of God to you this morning. He guards you. He is your guardian God. This is his commitment to you. And that commitment rooted in his love for you will never waver. The psalmist says at the end of this, this phenomenal phrase that we can take to the bank. The Lord will watch over your coming and going. Both now, whenever your now is, he's watching over your coming and going. And forevermore. Both now and forevermore, the Lord is going to be watching over your coming and going. Now and all through eternity. That is a stunning commitment. That's an amazing promise. The Lord continually and eternally watches over you. There's nothing in your life he's unconcerned about. Nothing in your life he's not attentive to. He'll keep you at every stage of the journey. And everything will somehow work together for your good. I want to end with this. There's a New Testament passage that captures what I'm trying to say here. What the psalmist is saying, more importantly. And it's always been one of my favorite scripture passages. So I'm kind of, <coughs> kind of tipping my hand a little bit here. But I love this passage. And this is what it says. It's right at the end of the book of Jude. And it's a doxology. An expression of worship and praise of God. And it says this. Now to who, him who is able to keep you from falling. What does the psalmist say? Not even a stone will be moved so that your foot slips. Now to him who is able to keep you from falling, and not only that, to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. How is God going to present you before his presence? Without fault. And with great joy to the only God, our Savior, be glory and majesty and power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. What a phenomenal promise that is to us. God is able to keep you from falling. And not only that, guys, he's going to present you faultless. And he's going to do it with incredible joy. It's not going to be like, oh, here he comes. Here she comes, you know. Have I had to be patient with them? Come on in. It's not going to be that. It's like, you are perfect in me. Come on in. I am stoked that you've arrived. 
In the journey, Yahweh is your guardian, the maker of heaven and earth. You don't need to look to the hills. You don't need to look to the mountains. He's all the help you need. So, you know, this psalm, you've heard me talk about the Psalms of Ascent before. This is the, one of the Psalms of Ascent that the pilgrims, the Hebrew pilgrims, sang as they processed up to Jerusalem. They sang this in the journey. Well, you and I are on a journey now. I said earlier we're not in the New Jerusalem yet, but we're on the way to it. We are on a journey to the New Jerusalem with God. Let this be our song, just like it was their song when they were making their way to Jerusalem a couple thousand years ago. They were saying something about God when they sang this. They were saying something about who they were in Him. And they were saying something to the world around them. And when we let this song be the song of our life, that's what we're doing too. We're saying something about God. We're saying something about who we are as His people in Him. And we're saying something to a broken busted, needy world about who Yahweh is, about who our Lord is. And as we walk by faith, we can build ourselves up in confidence, knowing He watches over you because He cares for you. He is your shade continually covering you. And he will protect you because he's forever committed to you. The Lord is with you. He's your helper. He's the God who is your guardian. And he's watching over your coming and going, both now and forever.